Well, first of all, if, if, you're a, if you're a guest with us today, let me just tell you, it's okay to clap at New Life Church. It's okay. It's okay to be happy at the church. It's okay to clap at the church. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. And if this is your first time in church, your first time in a very, very long time, just relax. We're not going to do anything funky or weird. We sang a few songs, played a sp- some special music, took an offering so we can send some kids to camp. I'm going to share with you a message from God's word for a few minutes. Then we're going to close by, by uh, lighting our candles and, uh, and um, uh, singing a Christmas song together. And then, of course, we have a gift we'd like to give to you before you leave in 30 minutes. Um, uh, the message that was shared in the, in the, the Peanuts characters, the Snoopy characters uh, that used to be on television, that was on ABC or NBC or CBS. And you know, anybody remember that when you were a, a kid? And the, the gospel message, the Christmas story was actually shared. That's directly out of the Bible. It comes from the book of Luke uh, chapter 2. Tonight I want to talk to you about uh, the Christmas tree. And we have a Christmas tree here, and you probably have a Christmas tree at your house, so you have a Christmas tree in the home that you're going to gather together. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the Christmas tree. In other words, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the family tree of Jesus. We all have a, a family tree. Ancestry.com has become a big thing in the last decade or so, and people have spent a lot of money uh, to try to find out their, their ancestry, and then they spend more money trying to hide it. <laughs> they don't, <laughs> I don't know. If that, anyway... I want to talk to you tonight about the family tree of Jesus, and, and, and it's, it's kind of surprising, like our family tree, it's kind of surprising, like our ancestry, there are some branches that you and I are incredibly proud of in our family tree. Can somebody say amen? And then there's the Uncle Eddie's in our home, in our family, you know what I'm talking about, yeah? There's that, fa- there's that branch or two or three or some of you a dozen, right, uh, that you're just like, I'd rather not mention that. My tree would rather be, it'd be rather slender if I wasn't to mention those people. But, but we have those people in our family tree. In Matthew chapter one, if you've got a Bible, you can look there, a device, um, you can look there, but I'm gonna put the scriptures, the, the Bible verses up on the screen. But in Matthew chapter one, we see the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the family line, the family tree of Jesus. And how many of you know the opening line of a book can be very gripping? Can you say yes? Sure it can. I mean, there's all kinds of famous books that are out there that have famous opening lines, and those opening lines are extremely powerful. A Tale of Two Cities, say it with me, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Now, you might not know these others, but The Color Purple is a famous book. Um, you better never tell nobody but God is how it's, that's the first line of the whole book. And you're like, what? What do I nobody tell nobody about but God? Um, the, how about Pride and Prejudice? It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. That's the first line of that book. The first line of Moby Dick is, it starts off, the very first line is, call me Ishmael. That's how it starts. It's the first line. So you would think the first line of the greatest selling, the best selling book of all time in all of human history, the New Testament of the Bible, the very first line in the very first book of the very first chapter of the most famous book that's ever been sold would be something like, call me Jesus. Right? <coughs> but that's not true. That's not what it says. Um, do you know what the actually the most famous first line, including, give you a hint, children's books is to start a book off with is what? Put it on the screen. Once upon a time. And you would think that maybe um, that the Bible would start off in the New Testament since Jesus is going to come with once upon a time. 
But the Bible is not written in the once upon a time genre. It's not written so that we can discover once upon a time. Instead, the opening line of the best-selling book of all time by far is this. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Gripping. It's a page turner. Can't wait to get into this book. The opening line maybe, maybe leaves something, um, it lacks some luster that we might be used to. It doesn't sound super exciting to us. Oh, but it is. This is our first, my wife and I, my wife's over here with our grandson. Um, my wife and I, it's our first Christmas in our new home. After many years of starting this church, uh, eight years, um, we were finally able to move out of a rented home. We were able to purchase a home this last year, and God is, we're so grateful for that. It's a small home. Because it's a small home, we had to get rid of our giant Christmas tree. Now, some of y'all are like um, a little overboard with your whole real Christmas tree thing, but we're into the fake trees. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I didn't know until I went to buy a, another tree this year, that trees had evolved. Somebody should have told me that a long time ago. Because for the last 25, almost 30 years, I've been putting together a tree that you gotta get out that slender tube, you know what I'm talking about? And then you gotta find the A and the BB and the ABC, and you gotta put them in the right little things and they don't fit in there, you gotta bend them, and then you're like, it, it, you gotta morph it out to make it, you know what I'm talking about, yes? Oh, baby. Bought myself a good tree this year. I went to Home Depot because I said, Keely, I gotta get a pre-lit tree. And she's like, honey, do whatever you wanna do. So I gotta get a pre-lit tree. So I went to look for a pre-lit tree and I realized our living room is much smaller. So I had to get a, a slender tree. It's called a slim tree. I didn't even know they had such a thing. It's kind of offensive to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> so I bought this, I bought this keto tree. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I bought this slim tree, and it, here's how it works. It comes in two pieces, and what you do is you take one piece out, and you, you know, you're holding it up, and you turn it upside down. Voop, all the branches fall out, and they lock into place, and I'm like, what just happened? I take the bottom out, turn it like, bam. Turn them both over, put them together, stick it on the sucker, and I'm done. I got my tree up, and it looks really good. Uh-huh. Spirit of jealousy just came over all of you that still have an old tree. So we got this tree, and because it's a smaller tree, and it's not a big tree like the big tree we used to have, which we're saving for one of our kids when they have a big house so I can go over and watch them put that sucker together. <laughs> I love my kids. But really, I'm expecting their husbands to do it. <laughs> we, we had to cut down on our ornaments. I mean, we've been married almost 30 years. And so we had to cut down on the number of ornaments because, you know, it would have just been ornaments. It would have been a tree and we didn't see any branch, so we had to cut down on ornaments. So my wife and I sat down and we went through, without the children there, without our grown kids, we got four daughters and then the uh, two sons-in-law and two wannabes. Um, and we've got... <laughs> on the front row, I might have tell you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Boy, they're working hard, baby. Matt's like, I've been married almost three years. I'm on the second row now. Yeah. And Brian, I don't know where Brian's at. He's in the back. Maybe he's not even in the building. I don't know, but he's been married about eight years. Anyway, stay with me, people. So we had to narrow down our branches, our, our, our ornaments for the tree. And uh, so my wife and I were going through all the ornaments, trying to take out the ornaments and, and that we didn't want to keep and keep the ornaments that we really felt were important to us. 
And so we had this dialogue about this and zero arguing. We were on the same page. We kept, we kept all of the ornaments that maybe, a lot of them are worn. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of them were tarnished or cracked. Some of them were even faded. Some of them even were broken. But we kept those ornaments and we hung them on the tree. Why? Because each of those, each of those ornaments have connected with it a very powerful story. A story that we can remember. Kind of like what Christmas is all about. It's really about remembering. And I think God is pleased that we remember things about our family, about what we've done and where we've been and where we've come from. I think God is more pleased that we remember the story of his son, Jesus, about where he's been, where he came from, what he did. So this exciting chapter in the first book of the New Testament, in chapter one of the book of Matthew, the family tree of Jesus is surprising because to me it seems like Matthew, the author of this, probably should have left some of these names out. I mean, he could have chosen some other names, but he chose, he chose some names to put in there that hang on the family tree, on the Christmas tree of Jesus Christ, leading up to the birth of our Savior, the Messiah of the world, and the ornaments that are hanging on that tree are cracked and are broken and are tarnished and are worn and are faded. And those are the names that we read in Matthew chapter one. And each one of those names has some Powerful stories associated with them. Gripping tales of drama and, uh, and um, abuse and, uh, and adultery and moral failure and lying and cheating. These are the people. These are the people that are on the family tree of Jesus Christ. In verse number two and three, we read of a guy named Judah. Judah, how in the world is his name? You know, he, one of his brother's names was Joseph. And if you're familiar with the Bible at all, Joseph, remember he wore the coat of many colors? Joseph was not included in the Matthew chapter, chapter one family tree of Jesus, but his brother Judah was. And you know who Judah was? Judah was a, the worst kind of adulterer and a wholehearted hypocrite. And yet he's mentioned in the family tree of Jesus. Verse number five, there's a woman by the name of Rahab. First of all, she's a foreign woman. You see, back in that day, you didn't mention that. That, that, that was inappropriate to marry somebody who wasn't in your same culture. It's ridiculous, but it shouldn't have been mentioned. And so Rahab, besides that, she was a professional prostitute. Then there was David that was mentioned. David should have been in there, but then it says in the same verse that mentions David, it mentions, and David's uh, a girl, his woman, who, who was the wife of, of the Hittite named uh, Uriah. And it's in there because it reminds us that David, it was the, it was the scandal of all scandals. And because there are little ears in the cornfield, we're not getting into the whole story. But it's a story of David having some guy murdered because he wanted that guy's wife to be his girlfriend. Boy, was it drama. And it's in the family tree 
of Jesus. In verse number 10, last one I'll mention is a guy by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh was an evil, evil man. In fact, he was, he was so evil that he threw his firstborn son into the fire and sacrificed him to a pagan god. Why would he be in the family tree of Jesus in the first chapter of the first book of the best-selling book of all time, the New Testament of the Bible? Why would these cracked and tarnished ornaments be hanging on the tree? Why would God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have those names be pinned by Matthew and put on the family tree of Jesus? It's as if Matthew goes out of his way to show us names that we would not expect to see on the family tree. It's like he paints a portrait for us. Some of y'all are gonna take Christmas pictures. We'll probably grab a Christmas picture. At the end of the gathering, our family will. And you know, you'll do, you'll take pictures and now your phone has more capabilities than the most fancy phone did, when, or most fancy uh, uh, camera did when I was a kid. And so you know what you do? Some of you young'uns know exactly what you'll do. Um, you know, it's, it's like a hashtag unfiltered and you took 1,400 of them before you posted one, right? Because you're gonna filter it. But it's like God is giving us a picture, a family picture of the family line of Jesus Christ, and it is not filtered, it's not airbrushed, it's not been Photoshop corrected. You know, there are so many stories represented of ornaments on our family tree, on our Christmas tree, excuse me, at home. Uh, my wife and I found the one that was our first Christmas that we, when we first got married. Very first one, it's pretty ugly. It is a pretty ugly ornament, it just is. I can't I know what else to tell you. It was, it was a brass, but now it's not brass, it's just, it's just brown, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, because I'm not gonna clean that sucker after every Christmas and you know what I'm saying? I don't know, you, maybe you be you. And, um, that, there's a bunch of ornaments that are hand plaster of our kids. There, there's, there's some ornaments maybe that are pictures of our children that have been glued on the back of mason jar lids and have little decorations around the edges, many of which that have fallen off. Oh, we're keeping those. You know what I'm talking about. There's our baby's first Christmas ornaments that people had given to us. Ultimately, the stories that I put with these ornaments point to one word, and that one word would be love. Everybody say love. love. Because love always finds a way. I'm a papa, I'm a grandpa. I didn't know what I wanted to be called when my daughter and her, her husband were gonna have their first child, Jadlin, over here. Or, and then of course, Kyra having, having Aria, our granddaughter, and then Trini and Brian are gonna have our third grandbaby this uh, in, uh, Valentine's time. I didn't know what I wanted to be called. I don't know, grandpa. But then I, what happened was, what happened was, what happened was, they call you what they call you. How many grandparents know what I'm talking about? Yes? They call you what they call you, and that becomes, that becomes precious to you, does it not? And so when he first called me Papa, I became Papa. I am Papa. <laughs> and that's the proudest title. I mean, I'm so proud of that title. Let me tell you a story about a Papa. A papa, a grandpa, walked into, a fa into, a, into the family room and found his little grandson, Jeffrey, standing inside of his playpen, crying. He looked pitiful, standing there in his little baseball T-shirt and his diaper. His face was red, and it was, his shirt was tear-stained from crying. 
When Jeffrey saw his grandpa, he reached out his chubby little hands, crying out through the tears, out, Papa, out, Papa. What grandpa could risk is, I wouldn't resist such a thing and get him out, right? He walked over to the playpen, reached down to take his little buddy out of the playpen, out of the captivity and out of the distress that he was in. And then law and order walked into the room. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, mama. Mama comes into the room and she says, no, Jeffrey, you're in time out. You have to stay in that bed. Dad, leave him right there. Then she left the room. Now, what, what's a papa to do? His grandson's tears, as he stretched out his little hand toward him, it tugged mightily on papa's heart as it would tug on your heart as well. But he didn't want to interfere with his daughter's discipline, with, with Jeffrey's mom's discipline. But he couldn't stand to be in the room and watch his grandson cry, pretending just not to care. Nor could he turn around and walk out the door without feeling incredibly guilty like he betrayed his little pal. So what's he supposed to do? Then Papa had a, a revelation. Since he couldn't take Jeffrey out of the crib, he, he climbed into the crib with little Jeffrey. Come on now. Come on now. Love always finds a way. Can someone say amen? <laughs> Baby, if you want to know a story about Christmas, I just told it to you. We're in our depravity, we're tear-stained, we're hurting, we're broken, we're in desperate need of someone to come and save us. Love finds a way. So God, God sent his son, Jesus. See, all the way from the very beginning of the book, way back in Genesis, ever since he said, in the beginning, all the way through, God has been working his redemption plan, his plan of forgiveness and grace for you and for me because he loves you, because he cares so much. So that's exactly what Jesus did when he came, born in a feeding trough in a stable some 2,000 years ago. He climbed out of the heavenlies and he climbed into our world ultimately to free us from our own depravity and from our own sin. Can someone say amen? The family tree of Jesus that's listed in Matthew chapter 1, it's a list of misfits and outcasts and I are one of them. And so are you. The Old Testament, in fact, is full of broken people making huge mistakes in their lives. And yet these same people make up the genealogy, the ancestry of Jesus Christ. They made the list in spite of what they had done. You see, Jesus came, Jesus came to the earth for all the people who don't deserve to be on the list. And aren't you thankful for that? He didn't come from a fancy tree family tree adorned with gold-laden hand-spun ornaments made from the purest of gems. Instead, Jesus came from a lineage that he shouldn't have to make the list of the family tree of the Messiah because that's who Jesus came to save. That's who Jesus came to save. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor but it's the sick 
Do you know what people were doing at that point? They were picking on a guy by the name of Matthew. Because Matthew had a job that was a tax collector, and a tax collector was lower than a prostitute in that culture with regard to respect by people that were in there. And, and, and they didn't think that Matthew had any right to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And so they were making fun of Matthew. They were putting him down. How, how dare you pick him? Why do you hang out with people that are sinners, Jesus? Jesus, why do you hang out with people that are, that are outcasts and misfits, that are contaminated? Why do you do that? And Jesus said, listen, uh, he, he says, go, go back to the one before. But, uh, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then he goes on to say, but, but go and, and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have, come to call the, to, I, have, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. Jesus came, Jesus came for the sick. He came for the sinner. Ladies and gentlemen, he came for you and me. And if you're pretending to be something else, I think you came to the wrong church. But if you know you're broken, if you know you don't have it all together, if you know you're a cracked pot like the rest of us, welcome to the family. And together, as a church, family, we're gonna help you. We're gonna help you. How many of you have been helped by the ministries of New Life Church? Would you just lift your hand up, kind of let us know. We're gonna help you, we're gonna help you, we're gonna help you. I want you to know something else about this first Christmas tree. The first Christmas tree is still growing today. It's still growing. It's still growing. You and I have an opportunity to be on the family tree of Jesus, not because Ancestry.com says that we're related somehow, but because Jesus came to welcome us and to graft us into the vine. That's what love is. Christmas is all about love. Most familiar passage of the Bible, I'd like to close with this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then the next verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Can you say amen? God's story of redemption began with the creation of the world because he knew that we would eventually need a savior. That is why we celebrate Christmas. I want you to have a blast with the presents. I want you to have a great time with the food. Hallelujah. What? <laughs> I, want you have, I want you to have a great time with your family, even Uncle Eddie. I want you to have a wonderful time with your traditions and the stockings. But I want you to remember that that is not why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because we did need, we still need, and we will always need a Savior. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. Close your eyes, bow your head if you would, please. Father, thank you so much for this time together. We set it aside. We intentionally chose tonight to say, Lord, this is you, your birthday, the time we remember that you gave your one and only son. And Jesus, you came obedient even unto death. And we are so grateful for the price you paid for us so that we could live a life that is forgiven, so that we could live a new life your heads bowed and your eyes closed I'd be remiss if I didn't ask I wonder if maybe you're here and you're you're that person I am 
but maybe you can join me in this. You're that, you feel like a failure. You, you, you were brought here because someone brought you here, but, but maybe, maybe you feel like you just can't connect with God the way that we're talking about connecting with God. I would challenge you this Christmas to take a step, just take a step. I didn't say sprint to the finish. I said take a step, take a step in the right direction. And taking a step in the right direction is gonna be maybe, for you it's gonna be making a decision. And making a decision has gotta be a clear decision. And maybe the next step for you is, God, I'm, I'm listening. God, I hear you. God, I, I wanna know more. I, 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 I am opening my heart and my ears and my eyes to you and I wanna know more. Now, if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you a question. I'm gonna be bold and courageous enough to ask you right now. This next Sunday, this coming Sunday, the 30th, I'm gonna be doing a message here. We've got some special music, great time in our nine o'clock and our 11 o'clock gathering. And I double dog dare you to be here and, and, and be introduced, be introduced to God in, in, a, in a different, more in-depth way. And I would really challenge you and I, I really invite you, if, if I could look each one of you in the eye, I would personally say to you, would you come? And so I'm asking you right now, would you come? And so maybe that for you is the next step. Okay, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. I, I, I can take that step. I can go one Sunday. I can show up this next Sunday and I can hear, hear what you have to say to me. And so if you were invited here tonight, the person that brought you here tonight is gonna to ask you this question before you go. They didn't know it, but now I'm telling them, I'm asking them, would you do this? So before you guys part ways tonight, they're gonna to ask you, so will you come with me on Sunday? Because I'd like to see you here and I'd like to see what, just take the next step. We're not pushing you. We wanna help you. We wanna help you. Did you know that the story from Wall Street Journal says that there's a good chance that you and I are direct descendants of somebody from the Mayflower? You can open your eyes now if you want to. Historians tell us that 26 of the 100, to get this, 26 of the 102 people who traveled on the Mayflower across the Atlantic in 1620, celebrated the first Thanksgiving, had children, had children, had children, had children, and so forth. And because they did, today, 12 generations later, Mayflower passengers have more than, get this, 25 million descendants since the Mayflower. And it only took 12 generations. Remember the story of Jesus who became the sacrifice for the world. Our job is to tell the world what a great gift they have received so that this sacrifice doesn't go unnoticed. I think it's imperative that we, we spread the good news. And so what we're gonna do in this little candlelight ceremony as we, as we sing Silent Night, I would like the front row only, front row only to light your candle. And then I'd like you to turn around to the row behind you when we start singing and just touch their candle, symbolizing we're passing the light. And then when they touch your candle, turn on the little button in the back and then you turn around, touch the next candle behind you and so forth. I don't think I have to go any further with the instructions, do I? Good, I think we're good. And so I would like you to stand if you would please and let's sing this song, Silent Night, together as we begin to close this gathering together. Would you sing? sing can we sing sing like it really is celebration
around. I like how dark it is in here. In fact, if you could bring the stage lights down for me, I would appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. Look at this. Just kind of moving back and forth. You know, like you're at a Bon Jovi concert. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen. This is what it's about. It's spread the light. Spread the light. The light of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Before you leave here tonight, each family is going to be given a special gift. The special gift we're going to give you is an ornament that you can place upon your tree. And that ornament has stuffed inside of it. We want to thank Cindy for her help in assembling these. That ornament stuffed inside has a cloth. And that cloth has been prayed over. We pled the blood of Jesus Christ over that. We prayed God's favor over that cloth. The Bible tells us that uh, handkerchiefs and aprons that, that were touched by God's uh, anointed Peter and Paul brought healing to people. It's not magic in the cloth, but it represents the beauty of prayer. And so when you hang that on your tree, know that you have been prayed for. Your family has been prayed for. And the Bible tells us that when you're prayed for, that those prayers never leave the throne room of God. When your grandmama prayed for you some 40 years ago, that prayer is still hovering before the throne room of God. The prayer that we prayed for you for this night in that ornament is going to be hovering, not just today, not just next Christmas, for the rest of your life, your children's lives, your children's children's lives, and so forth and so on. We prayed for you. Let it remind you that we prayed for you. Then I'm also going to tell you every child in here, every child in here gets to go at the lobby out there. We have got, uh, I just felt like we should do this for you. We're going to give you a Funfetti cake mix that you can take home. And your mama, your daddy, your grandmama, your granddaddy, whoever it is, you're going to look at him with your little cute little eyes with the tears trickling down your cheek and say, would you please let me make a birthday cake for Jesus? And you're going to start a new tradition in your home. Because I want you not to just have conversations about God here, but have conversations about God at home. And so when you bake that cake and you light a candle and you sing happy birthday to Jesus, remind your children that it's not about the presents. It's not about the trees. It's not about the lights. It's not about the stockings. It's not about Santa. All that stuff is fine, but it's about celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can you give, give the Lord a hand clap? Praise God. Most importantly, we just want to remind you that you belong here. And we're grateful that you chose to take some time to come join us. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. God bless you, New Life Church, from my family to yours. Have a very merry Christmas. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great time. Praise the Lord.